0: Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. good. Okay, good. You guys got about the same uh, feedback level as our 9 a.m. service does. So I'm feeling at home. The 10:45 they kind of liven it up just a little bit. 12:30, it's back down. I think it's because they're comatose from lunch. Uh, I am so glad to be here with you guys this morning. My name's Dave. Uh, I am the associate pastor at Freshwater Church in Bolivar, Missouri, uh, for college missions and pastoral care. Uh, so that's uh, kind of what I do there. And um, I am, man, I am so glad to be here with you guys on like 18, 19 different levels. I'm not going to unpack like each of those levels, but um, first of all, let me just say it's a it's a just a joy to be here with uh, some of my best friends, uh, Dave and Danny and Vince, and uh, we all go way back. And Dave and Danny, I go. Way way back, uh, and so I'm I'm pumped to be here with you guys for that reason. Uh, second reason, I'm a St. Louis guy. I mean, I I grew up uh, here in the city. I went to uh, Coke Elementary School over in Delwood, so I know it's not uh, far from here. And um, so it's it's always been this kind of dream and and passion of mine to get to come back to to St. Louis and do some ministry here and to preach here and to be uh, involved in what God's doing in the city. And so I'm I'm really excited about that. And then also. Um, the partnership that, that we're going to be discussing this morning as we kind of work through the text. Uh, this is kind of a, also a strange moment because we're kind of weaving together these ideas, like preaching on uh, the concepts and and the biblical foundation for holistic mission and what that kind of looks like and, and, and what Jesus had to say about that, and also weaving in maybe some vision, uh, about the partnership that it, that will exist between Freshwater Church and North Church. Uh and so this is the first uh I'm praying the first of many journeys uh for Freshwater to get to be partnering with other local churches in the area uh for the sake of the gospel amongst all nations. And so um this is really cool cuz this is get this is part of my job, right? Like uh, I get to be here as an extension of Freshwater Church and so um to that end I want to bring you uh all the greetings and prayers and love of our church family and our pastor, and um, also uh, just a sincere thanks uh, to you guys as North Church for what you've done, uh, serving in Joplin and partnering with us and sending people down and supplies down, and uh, we were totally, uh, totally blown away and totally overwhelmed by your guys' response to um, the tornado in Joplin, and we are so glad to, uh, to be partnering with you uh, there in Joplin. And we're going to be doing some stuff um, in Joplin here over the next few weeks. And so uh, we kind of, at the toward the end of the summer, we hit that weird, awkward in-between phase where there was no more real cleanup work to do. Uh, so there's no general labor. Uh, and now we're getting into like skilled rebuilding. And so we're going to be partnering with, um, hopefully partnering with Habitat for Humanity in Joplin. So we want to invite you guys to come back down uh, to Joplin, do some building with us. Uh, we've torn down some trees and cut up some stuff and set things on fire and, you know, that was really cool. And, uh, but now we want to build some stuff back up. And so I want to extend that invitation to you. Um, I want to, in, in your text this morning, we're going to be going to Matthew 11. So if you can, you can find that and, and drop your thumb in there. But I want to kind of continue along this same line that, that Dave brought us in with in Isaiah 61. Um, and I want to take us on into Isaiah 62 for a second. And just say this, that as we discuss um, holistic mission and that idea and partnership uh, between Freshwater and North Church, um, one of the things that we believe uh, strongly about uh, partnering together as a church, one of the things that we're trying to root down into our philosophy and methodology of doing partnership missions uh, is this, is that partnerships are, are where um, both entities, both parties bring something to the table, right, that's mutually beneficial, right? So later on, you're going to hear me talking a lot about how North Church can come alongside of Freshwater and what, and what God is doing in places like West Africa and South Asia, Nicaragua, some of those places that are global, um, obviously Joplin as well, and some other things. But before we even get into that, I want to say this, and this is going to take us into Isaiah 62. Um, I want to say this. Freshwater wants to be on mission in North County with North Church, Right. And so I don't know exactly what that means or, or what that looks like yet. But here's what kind of I envision um, people from Freshwater coming up to North County in some capacity and serving alongside of you guys, reaching your coworkers, your neighbors, your loved ones uh, with the gospel. Right. And so whether that's uh, uh, we send some college interns your way over the summer or we get some short term mission things going on here, um, that would be great. Or, you know, this moment right here. Like right now, fresh water on the ground with you guys, uh, I want you to know that what what we're not here selling you come on trips with us right what we're up here uh, doing is saying let's be on mission together in Bolivar, in Joplin in West Africa in South Asia in Nicaragua, in North county, in downtown, right and any other place that we could possibly dream of that the Lord would open the doors for us to go to uh, and so With that being said, check this out in Isaiah 62, verse 1. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. And the nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. And you shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken. And your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called, my delight is in her. And your land married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And here's the key text for me in this passage, verse 6 and 7. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day and all the night they shall be They shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, or you who renown the name of God, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Right, And so I want to encourage you this morning, right here, North Church, your your band of people here in North County, on your walls, here, your walls in North County, I've set watchmen all the day and all the night. They shall never be silent. Right? So, so here's my encouragement take, take what you have here, your people, your thing, right? And never be silent. Right? Be watchmen who never shut up. That's literally the force of the text is they're, they're constantly going, right? With their mouths, right? You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest right never never slow down never rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem until he literally the the new Jerusalem the new heaven and new earth until he establishes it until he establishes his kingdom right so you can replace Jerusalem here with Florissant right with Hazelwood with Delwood with anywhere in North County that that you live within St. Louis within your city cuz he's bringing his kingdom everywhere so, what Isaiah says is take no rest. Don't ever slow down. And give him no rest. Right? Jesus calls this same idea to mind when he tells the parable of the persistent widow. I said, what, what happens is this, this, this woman loses her husband and she's being treated unjustly, right, by her property managers, by people who are holding their accounts and their debts. She has no means of income. And so she goes to the judge, right, to make things right and he has no time for her. So she goes back, and she goes back, and she goes back, and she goes back, and she goes back. And finally, the judge relents, and hears her case. But why? Because of her persistence. Because she took no rest, and she gave him no rest. The church exists to be on mission. Right? You and I are here, as followers of Christ, to be on mission, right? The church exists to be on mission. At Freshwater, we're trying to say it this way, and, and it's about to really come back and 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 bite us, um, and we're really happy about that on one hand and really sad about it on the other hand. The church exists to give away its best people, right? The church is a disciple-making factory by which we bring in people into the kingdom of God. We train them, we equip them, we disciple them, and then we launch them out, Right, So if you never grow beyond this number right here, that is totally fine. What we should be asking is, five years from now, or is it the same people that account for the same number? And the answer should be no. It should be different people accounting for the same number, because some of you are getting trained up, equipped, and sent out right to all nations. And that's starting. We're, we're two years in at Freshwater, the experiment that we call Freshwater Church right? And, and we're a church plant. Like, you guys are a church plant, and so we get to ride this, like, really, um, this really cool wave of latitude and leniency in everything that we do, because we just say it's, it's an experiment, All right? So we're going to experiment with this, and if it works, great. And if it doesn't work, uh, well, you know, it was an experiment. We're a church plant. We don't know what we're doing, right? <laughs> uh, we're two years in, and so we're starting to see some of our key people, not just college students. We're talking, like, families, right, who are getting ready to leave freshwater and go do other things. And we're like, no, please don't go. Yes, go, right? It's this weird tension because we're a family, right? But the family exists, right? To to give away its best people, right? Amongst all nations, right? So on your walls, set these, set these watchmen, set yourselves as watchmen in this city and all day and all night, never be silent, take no rest for yourselves and give no rest to the Lord in your petitioning of him, right, and this is a, this is kind of a, you'll find that I'm, like, the more that we get to hang out, and Dave can account for this and, and so convince, um, but the more that we get to hang out, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of an intense kind of character, uh, and so I love these, like, absolute exclusionary type passages because they are, like, right in my wheelhouse, Right, so when he says take no rest, like I take that literally, like I will go like breakneck with you and for you, right, to get this done, and give him no rest. See, here's the thing: God doesn't sleep, right? He doesn't sleep, so so he's available for your no rest to be unrested at him. Take no rest. We get the same idea in Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh when the Lord hands down the Shema, right? When he says, Right, Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he starts talking about, hey, take this and write it down. Right? And write it on your foreheads. And write it on the and put it in a box on the back of your hand and write it on your doorpost, right? So that way it's always there. Like when you check your watch, there it is, right? Love God. Right? It's in your forehead. So when you get in the mirror, there it is. Love God, right? So it's on your doorpost. So when you leave your house, Love God, and then he says, "Hey, and talk about it." And you're coming, and in you're going, and in you're rising, and in you're waking, and teach it to your children, right? And so, what we see is that the mission of God, right, is this like all pervasive, like all. It, it gets into what we call the in-between spaces. That's what we're, that's how we're kind of like couching this expression of holistic mission is that the mission of God, the love of God, the purposes of God fit into every crevice, every nook, every cranny of your life. So what he is looking for from you is just everything. Right. So, so what he's looking for is he's looking for you to find a way to, to eat your Wheaties to the glory of God so that it propels mission in your life. Right. God is interested in your breakfast. Right? He, what he's looking for in this term of, in, in the sense of holistic mission is, is in, in your cutting of your grass. Like, how do you sanctify that? How do you set that apart for the kingdom of God? In your coming and in your going and your rising and your sleeping, teaching it to your children on the back of your hands, on your forehead. It's all over the place. Right, so we're talking about this idea of holistic mission or holistic gospel, and, and there's tons of you know, buzzword terminology around it. But here's what, here's what we mean. Here's kind of the definition I'm working from. When we say holistic mission or when we use this word holistic, we mean the whole gospel for the whole, per- the whole person. Right, the whole gospel for the whole person. Right, and the whole person for the whole family. Right, and the whole family for the whole community. And the whole community for the whole world. Literally, it's mission in the in between spaces. All those things that you thought that were just, okay, well, there's, there's, there's life, and then there's church, and then there's mission. Right? One of the things that we have done historically as the church, and I don't mean just you guys, I mean the big church, historically, is, is we've began to stratify. How we live and how we do life and, and what, and, and to categorize and compartmentalize, right? So this is my work life. This is my family life. This is my church life. And if the church life goes well, then I'll get into this small group. And now I've got this small group community. If that starts going really well, then I might get a mentor. And then, so there's all these segmented relationships and all these layers of strata to how we do life. And then if the small group thing goes good and the mentoring thing goes good, and I get to be a really, really good Christian, like really on top of my stuff, then maybe I'll get to go on a mission trip. And if the mission trip thing works out really good, then maybe I'll get to go, like, not just on a mission trip to, like, Houston, Texas, or someplace like that, I'll get to go to Africa right? But somehow, like, Africa, the continent has taken on, like, like, this whole, like, ownership of what it means to be a missionary in the hardest places in the world, right? Please, God, just don't send me to Africa. Like, there are tons of places worse in the world than anywhere in Africa, but that is the one place we don't want to go, and somehow we call Africa like it's a country, right? In case you're not up to speed, Africa is an entire continent, right, filled with lots of countries, right? It's vast, and it's way weird. It's a weird place, Um But if you're really good at the short-term thing, maybe God will call you to be that super-spiritual, that super-hyper-whatever-missionary. Here's the thing. That kind of striated, layered-type thinking is totally counterintuitive to the Bible. It's totally counterintuitive to Jesus. Jesus. Right. First of all, we can just say that on so many different layers. But let's let's talk about first of all Jesus, his twelve closest followers. These guys were messed up. Right, you get you get like reminders of them all around you. That's so cool. <laughs> Matthew was a tax collector. Judas, well, we know how he turned out, right? Peter's a hothead. These guys are just. They're just, like, they're just like you and me. Right? They're just like you and me. Paul says that he's the chief of all sinners. right? And when he says that, like, what he's saying is, is that there is not a sinner that exists today that is a worse sinner than I am. There is not a sinner that will be a sinner in the future that will be a worse sinner than me. There is not a sinner in the past who is a worse sinner than I currently am right now. But God... God's called me as an apostle to the Gentiles. And everyone in this room is really glad that that happened. Right? Because I'm pretty confident that probably at least, let me just be generous, 99.9% of us are Gentiles. I don't know you personally, so some of you might have some Jewish background in you. But God chooses the weak and shameful things in the world to break down the worldly powers of strength and wisdom. Right. She takes us to Matthew chapter 11. Oh, I've got to fly. Matthew chapter 11, verse one. Um, by the way, Dave told me I had about an hour and a half. Is that good with you? I thought since there was a stool that that's what that meant. You're not going to see me sit on the stool, because if I do, I'm I'm settling in. Right. I'm making myself at home. We'll be here for a while. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse one. And following, when Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Interesting question, John. And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see, a reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see, a man dressed up in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare the way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is arisen no one. Greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of, of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Really interesting scene going on here, and, and we could probably spend a good hour just on this text, but we don't have that hour right we've got a few minutes to unpack this and then a few minutes to talk about how what does this look like in terms of holistic mission amongst all nations and a partnership between freshwater and north church so here's the scene john the baptist has been arrested right Herod has arrested, Herod Antipas has arrested John, right? He's in jail. Uh, John calls his disciples to him, which is not, you know, uncommon that you get visitors in prison in the first century because that's how they got food and clothes and that's how they got taken care of. So John calls his disciples to him and says, by the way, run over to Jesus and pose this question to him for me. Are you the one or shall we look for another? which is a really, really interesting question for John to ask, right? Because there are some things that have already happened in the Jesus-John relationship that make this question just really odd, right? So we could go like pre-birth, Right? In the womb. Here's what happens. John's mother, Elizabeth, and Jesus' mother, Mary, they're both pregnant, pregnant, and they come in the same room together. And the Bible says that John leaped inside of his mother's womb, like went, right? Because he sensed the presence of Jesus in Mary's womb. Are you the one, or is there another? Gee, I don't know. Right? Flash forward a few years. John and Jesus. Or 30, John is baptizing out in the wilderness in the River Jordan, right? He's out there, he's doing his like, you know, like cool um, hipster clothing, right? He's camel hair, eating locusts. Uh, he's got dreads, right? He's a total hipster. Uh, he's out there doing the baptizing thing, right? And Jesus comes out. Jesus comes out to be baptized. And what does John say to the crowd? Look. Him. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Then he tells Jesus he's not worthy to to even undo his shoes, let alone to baptize him. Right? If that's not enough evidence for you, right? Jesus gets baptized anyway. When he comes up out of the water, the heavens open up, and the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus in the form of a dove, and then God audibly speaks from heaven and says, This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Are you the one? or is there another? right And so many times like you and I we've kind of find ourselves in that same place we find ourselves coming to Jesus uh, or, or coming to what we've made Jesus in our mind and asking him, are you the one or is there another? right is, is, is this the plan is this, is this it or is there another? Is this the idea right We come to this idea of missions right and we look at it and we say, is this really the way or is there another way right and john's asking this question because john's in prison right he's he's baiting it's almost like he's baiting jesus to get him out of jail right because he's suffering he's suffering for Jesus' sake so jesus responds back to him and says and this is amazing right jesus answered them and said go and tell john what you hear As in, what I'm telling you and what you see. Which means that what Jesus is about to tell them that he's currently doing. What you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. That's an amazing resume. So Jesus is saying, Yeah, I am the one. There is no other. That's Isaiah chapter 42, right? I am the Lord, that is my name, there is no other. By the way, the resume that Jesus sends back should sound really, really familiar to you right now because Jesus is quoting the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 61, which Dave read to you this morning. John knows that prophecy. Right? He knows that the Messiah, when the Messiah comes, here's what's going to happen. The blind will see, the lame will walk, lepers will be cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead will be raised, and the prisoner will be set free. But that's not what Jesus says. He says all those things, and instead of saying the prisoner will be set free, he says, Blessed is the man who doesn't fall away on account of me. John, I am the one, but you're going to die. You won't be set free from that jail. But I am the one. Blessed are you if you can get on board with what I'm doing, regardless of what it costs you. That's what Jesus is saying. He is the way, and there is a cost. For John, it cost him his life, because not long after this scene happens, right? A 15 year old stripper pleases Herod to the degree that Herod says I'll give you anything you want you just keep dancing And she says I want the head of John the Baptist on a silver platter done done that's what led to the fall to the death of John the Baptist but what preceded John getting his head lopped off is Jesus saying you're staying put John and I am the one by the way I am the one. But look at what he's doing. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. (coughs) lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have the good news preached to them. Right? That word good news, same Greek word for gospel. Euangelion, where we get our word evangelism from. The good news of the gospel, Jesus said, using that same expression, Matthew twenty four fourteen, And the good news, this good news of the gospel, the kingdom of God will be preached as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. It's good news. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Read shaken by the wind. And what did you go out to see a man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses, which is really interesting because that's where John's imprisoned, Herod's house. What then did you go out to see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Right? And this is amazing what Jesus is doing. And this is totally a sidebar john sends his disciples to jesus are you the one or is there another yeah i am the one and then jesus turns to the crowd and says before you begin to lose faith in john for the really odd question that he sent john is the one who was sent before me you see jesus restoring john here in the public's eye restoring his honor like john is the prophet and he'll say it again here in verse 14. If you have ears to hear it, like if you can handle this because I'm about to drop it on you, he's Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I find that so amazing that Jesus does that for John. Right? Because again, how many times do we find ourselves in John's same position? This cannot be the way. Why is it so hard? Why is it so trying? Why is it so? Why does it feel so upside down and inside out? The last becoming first, the marginalized getting raised, the weak becoming strong, all of our strength turning to weakness, all of our riches turning to poverty. Why? We're we're just like him. can't be the way. Can Can this really be the way? Yeah, it is the way. By the way, you're okay. You're okay. He does that for John. Verse 11, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. Again, backwards and inside out, right? Everyone who's received natural birth Did you note that? Of those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Jesus came a whole different route. Like He was born of a woman, but he did not get here the same way we did. There's no one greater than John. Yet, here's the paradox of the kingdom of God. The one who's least in the kingdom is greater than he is in his natural self. Right. So when we start talking about doing this idea of holistic mission, right, it's backwards and inside out. Because everyone that Jesus says he's reaching is busted up by life, right? Blind people, lame people, lepers, the deaf, the dead. They're really busted up. Uh, and the poor, right? And then he starts talking about greatness within the kingdom. He says, John, John is great, but the least person in the kingdom is greater than John. Right, so when we start laying out this strategy for doing holistic mission and doing mission in all the in-between spaces, we can't, uh, we can't ignore the pattern that Jesus lays out that he goes first to the marginalized and the downtrodden and brings them in. Right so some of our people uh at Freshwater when we started rolling this out they started asking why is it that that we're spending so much time going out into all these uh, international places uh in the world and and doing all these things why don't we just stay right here right and there's uh tons of churches in our area and I'm sure there are t- tons of churches up here who are doing really well for themselves like they're they're huge and they're a huge production, and they've got—I mean, they've got it going on—and um, they spend no money and no human capital outside their own city, right? But they're blowing up on the inside, right? And for us, we live kind of under this conviction um, that Jesus lays out this pattern, right? Um, Dr. John Marshall, who's the uh, lead pastor at Second Baptist Church in Springfield, who's our planting church, says it this way, and we kind of vibe on this. Um, idea. He said God had one son, and he made him a missionary, right? So we're kind of trying to pattern after that. J. Oswald Smith said it this way, why should anyone in the world get to hear the gospel twice when some people have never heard it once, right? That there are literally people in the world today who, if you approach them and said, what do you think about Jesus? They're not going to have any clue as to what you're referring to, Right, they don't know whether you're talking about um, a book, a plant, a person, an animal, an object, a a governmental system, and that's a travesty. So that's where we're coming in on this pattern, this idea, right? From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Here's here's one thing we have to do with this text, and we're going to link this up with some with one other idea, and then we're going to talk about how this works itself out practically. All right? This is especially appropriate in this context because John is suffering violence. Right? He's about to die. All right? So Jesus says. From from the days of John the Baptist until now, which is really funny because he's talking about right now, but he's looking forward to, to us as well. The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, which means that that the 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 world, the social institutions, and social powers, and da da da, and the enemy, the prince of this age, is making violence, right? Making war on the inbreaking kingdom of God, right? So that's why you have martyrs, right? And that's why you have people trying to tear down and destroy the church, right? There's, the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence, right? That's why uh, the social powers say that um, become, be everything that you can be, be rich and, and step on everybody's throat to get there, right? That's not just people that are getting hurt. That's the ethic of the kingdom of God suffering violence at the ethic of the world. And then he says, and the violent take it by force. Right. And, and in modern day Western evangelical Christianity, uh, what we have done is we've taken this verse to mean that if, if we're going to take back the kingdom, it's going to be by some kind of intense violence. Right. So we got to rise up like Braveheart and Braveheart the heck out of it. Right if I what i'm going to do is i'm going to watch braveheart. I'm going to read wild at heart I'm going to get a big sword and i'm going to go on a mission trip, man I had a guy show up uh, In my house for a mission trip with a machete this long Right i'm like bro. What are you going to do with that? But like, we're going to south asia and he's packing heat man I'm saying it like this is not a machete. This is a broadsword, right? This is like a roman sword He's like man, we just got to watch out for ourselves I'm like, dude, if it goes down and you're throwing, you're packing along. So let me get this straight. So like if we go to South Asia and something, it gets kind of wild, right? And we start suffering or someone tries to harm us. What you're going to do is you're going to bust out a machete and you're going to start hacking at them. And he's like, yeah. And Jesus had a lot to say about that. Because Peter did the same thing when they came to arrest him. He lopped off a dude's ear with a sword. Not only did Jesus put the guy's ear back on, hello, awesome, but he turns to Peter and says, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. When it says the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violent take it by force, he's not talking about you and me brave-hearting up. What he's saying is violent men do violence on the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is in meekness and humility. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not blessed is brave heart William Wallace. We've got to set that mentality aside and go more toward Galatians 5. Right? The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, kindness, peace, patience, love, joy, And here's the crazy thing. At the end of that verse, at at the end of that list, Paul just lists off all these amazing demonstrations and manifestations of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life. He says this, against such things, there is no law. You are free to be as loving as God will allow you to be. To be as sacrificial, to be as generous, to be as patient, to be as kind, to be as self-controlled. And self-control is not just avoiding negative, it's doing good. Right? It's not just saying no to watching that thing on the internet, uh, so I'm going to shut my computer off. That is one type of self-control. Self-control is also, I'm going to discipline my body to love my neighbor by taking care of their yard when they're gone, without them even asking me to do it you got to watch yourself in some city ordinances. That might get you, you know, in trouble. But without even being asked to do it, that's self-control too. And that's being missional. That's doing holistic mission. Mission in the in-between spaces. Right? All those little things. How many of y'all are, are, just you don't have to raise your hands, how many of y'all are stay-at-home moms? Right? Stay-at-home moms is one of the most critical mission fields in the world today. What are you doing to sow into your kids this ethic of the kingdom of God and the fact that others come first and that the gospel needs to go to the ends of of the world, right, to push back what is dark in the world? Did you get it in Isaiah 62, right after Isaiah 61, that our light will break forth in the nations, pushing back what is dark in the world? So how do we do it the church exists to be on missions it exists to make disciples it exists to give away its best people right we exist to lay down our lives paul says i lay down my life in every city right you want to know why paul gets beat down so much is because he submits himself to it so readily and he does it for the sake of the gospel colossians 1 24 he says i fill up in my body what was lacking in christ's afflictions for your sake Right? In the presentation of the suffering of the cross, I laid out my life in every city. So here's what we're trying to do about it, and here's what we kind of want to invite you into. Right? Freshwater is, is trying to be on mission and be missional, right? And there's a difference, right? To be on mission had, like, connotates this like going, Right? This, like, literal physical going and being missionals is the foundation by which we go on mission. It starts in the home, it starts at work, it starts in our family, it starts in our church, uh, where we lay out this ethos, right? Where we say everything that we do is aimed at being on mission, right? So we have partnerships in West Africa right? And, and, and I can give you more information off the podcast about that. Um, but we are um, what the—we're Southern Baptist Church, uh, and so we're what the International Mission Board calls an uh, an engaging church there, which means that we are the only missionary that our people group will ever see because they are less than 100,000 people. And due to strained resources at the IMB, if your people group has less than 100,000, you are not getting a career missionary from the IMB. So we are the career missionary to the IMB. Our church— 55,000 people in West Africa. We went for the first time last November. We're sending a team back in, what, like six weeks, and we're really pumped about that. We've got one believer on the first trip. We got him on the first trip. And here's the thing. You want to know the trippy part? He came to us in the dead of the night. Like Nicodemus came to Jesus. You want to know what's even more trippy about that? He came to us in the dead of night asking about that story. So I've been reading in John chapter three about how this man Nicodemus came to Jesus. Can you tell me that story? Oh yeah, we can. That night he had a dream, he had a vision right and in his vision I'll, I'll just cut straight to the meaning of the vision. he was heading toward the gospel, and all of his and his dead ancestors kept pleading with him, "No, don't do it, don't go." He had another vision where he was on a A ship, a large ship with all of his people on the ship. And we were there and he was there. And we were proclaiming the gospel and he was interpreting. And you know what? He's our primary interpreter now. Another dream about a ship where people are jumping overboard and we're throwing out ropes to them together and bringing them back in. One guy amongst 55,000. You know what his prayer is? This is his most fervent prayer, that he would have a church in his village. So maybe you ought to come to West Africa with us and help us plant a church there. One of the platforms that we're using in West Africa to do that is we're going to start doing a clean water project. Right? But They've got wells, but their wells are dirty. Right? So we're going to introduce to them a completely sustainable, completely reproducible bio-sand water filter. All it takes is a barrel, a tube, sand, which they have tons of. It's West Africa. It's like the desert and rocks, and they have tons of those too. No chemicals, nothing. All right, we're going to use that as a platform to reach people, the gospel, to plant a church in Ozzy's village. Right. We have a partnership in South Asia. Uh, our church planter there, We have a, his name is D.L., we call him D.L., You can, I'll tell him, you his real name off the podcast. Um, he's about, what, 37, 38 years old, got a wife, got a 12-year-old son, um, he lives in a city of 300,000 people. Right? The city is the birthplace of the Hindu god Krishna. It's one of the seven spiritual strongholds in South Asia. It was also the very first city in which the image of the Buddha was cast into bronze and into art. Right? 300,000 people in a city, 3 million people in his district, right? which is like a county. There, No evangelical witness. In the last year and a half, our church planter, DL, has planted five churches. Forty-five new believers, ten of whom are baptized and passionately following Jesus, three of which he's investing in personally to elder and pastor over those church plants. One of the church plants we lost to the Methodists, which we're fine with. So he's overseeing four churches. He's planted five. God's doing great things in South Asia. What we do in both of these uh, locations as we do chronological evangelical storytelling right we tell the story of the gospel beginning to end in story form because they're both oral cultures and literacy is not common right so we can't just go in there and start distributing bibles because they can't read even if we had them in their language which we don't because they can't read right so we're going in there telling stories they repeat the stories back to us and then they go out and tell the stories to others right? We're discipling them into the kingdom. It's a novel idea that I, I don't have time to unpack why it's so important that we do it that way instead of the way we do it here in America, which is try to get you converted and then teach you about the decision that you just made, which is why we have such a high dropout rate. We don't have that in South Asia or West Africa because people have a knowledgeable understanding of that decision before they ever choose to follow Christ, which is important because when they choose to follow Christ there, it'll cost them everything. By the way, Ozzy, that's that's our guy in West Africa, in the village that he lives in, he's the imam's son-in-law, right? The imam is like the Muslim pastor for his village, and once he goes public with being baptized, if he doesn't have enough other people going public with him, they'll just kick him out of his village. He'll lose everything. He'll lose his farm. He'll lose his family, his wife, his kids, By the way, when we go there, when we, when we tent camp in West Africa, we tent camp in the imam's front yard. How braveheart is that? <laughs> we lay down our lives in every village. We're starting a partnership in Nicaragua with an orphanage there to look after orphans and widows. Right? We're sending our first well that's complicated first official team in december but we have one family from Freshwater that's adopted two orphans out of that orphanage already and several other families lining up we're going to just try to like adopt out that whole orphanage how about that uh it's the only state-run orphanage in the country which makes it super cheap by the way if you're looking to adopt right Uh, we're partnering with his voice i know you guys are familiar with his voice uh, and their work with vive right by the way you guys know Vibe, right? Everyone knows Vive here, uh, so we don't have to rep Vibe to you guys, but um, we're partnering with his voice and uh, what they're doing as well, and so we want to invite you into that partnership, and so here's what I'm saying. Here's what it looks like. Everything that we're doing, you can be a part of. Can we just make it that simple? Or we don't, it doesn't have to be anything complicated. Any, everything, anything and everything that we're doing as a part of Freshwater Global, as a partner church to us, you're invited into and not only invited into but within this, that structure, we will train you and equip you to reproduce this in your city, in your church. And if you want to continue on in the existing partnerships, great. If you want to make new partnerships, we'll teach you how we've done it so that you can replicate it and bring in partner churches of your own. All right, so you guys come with us. I'm going to South Asia at the end of December, beginning of January. I'd love a handful of people from North Church coming with me. We're going to West Africa uh, over spring break. We'll go to both of those places next summer. I have no idea when the next Nicaragua trip is. We have another partnership that we're working on. We'll have two partnerships in South Asia starting next year. One with DL uh, and another one with a a different uh, family that's up in a different part of the country that we're already working in. And they're doing some amazing things in terms of human trafficking, uh, in terms of uh, clean water uh, in terms of holistic community development as a platform for sharing the gospel amongst 13 million Muslims. That's just the Muslim population where they live, not including the Hindu population where they live. Right. So God's doing some great things in the nations. I'd love to answer more questions about that for you um, off the podcast or later today. Dave has the plan, uh, right? We're here until 11 a.m. tomorrow, and then we're pulling out uh, back for Bomo. Okay, um, but here's the deal: all of that, all of that working out stuff, right? First starts at the working in stuff. He is the one. There is no other. He's worthy of your very life, and all the in between spaces, all that in between stuff that you think is just what gets you from point A to point B. All that stuff can be redeemed. The brushing of the teeth, the driving of the car can all be redeemed. Why don't you just say a prayer while you brush your teeth? That way your toothbrushing has heavenly, kingdom-minded meaning. I pray for Gerald Altick when I brush my teeth. I've been praying for Gerald Altick while I brush my teeth since 2002. Every time I brush my teeth, I pray for Gerald Altick. Now, tooth brushing has a lot more, to, a lot more meaning to me than just clean teeth. There's just one idea, right? Everything can be redeemed. And God is redeeming everything. So we ought to be about his business now. Let me pray for you guys. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for what they're doing here in North County. Pray that you would set them up as watchmen on the walls here in their city, that they will take no rest, that they will give you no rest uh, until you establish your praise here. Pray that they would live passionately for your gospel, causing the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the dead to be raised, and the good news to be preached amongst the poorest of all people, just like you. Pray that they would lay down their lives like John. Pray for the strength of our partnership in the months and years to come. God, may you accomplish great things for your great name's sake. West Africa, South Asia, North County, Bolivar, Missouri, Joplin, Missouri, Nicaragua, and everywhere else that you will lead us amongst all nations. I'm excited. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray and for your sake. Amen.